Good morning, Orlando. Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock. We are glad you're up and at and with us for our first look today at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a federal appeals court takes up Trump's travel ban today, and a Florida man gets 30 years for a mosque fire. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And it's Trump versus the courts on immigration. I'll tell you why my money is on the president next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 102.5. A federal appeals court is set to hear arguments over President Trump's temporary travel ban today. The arguments will be made by phone at 6 p.m. Eastern. Today, the Department of Justice filed a legal brief defending Trump's executive order against a federal judge's decision to suspend the ban. It argues that the travel restrictions do not violate the Establishment Clause of the Constitution, which prohibits the establishment of religion by Congress. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Senate debate over the nomination of Betsy DeVos for Education Secretary is an all-night affair. Democrats are holding the floor all night to call attention to DeVos's lack of experience in public education. Two Republicans, Susan Collins of Maine and Alaska's Lisa Murkowski, say they'll oppose DeVos. If no other Republicans join them, DeVos is assured of a 50-50 confirmation vote, leaving Vice President Mike Pence to break the tie. DeVos is a strong advocate for charter schools and voucher programs. And we'll tell you what's behind this all-out assault on the nomination of Betsy DeVos by the Democrats at 7 o'clock today, Deb. A Florida man is getting 30 years behind bars for setting a mosque on fire last year in Fort Pierce. The mosque is where the Pulse nightclub shooter worshipped. 32-year-old Joseph Schreiber pled no contest in St. Lucie County Court yesterday and said that it wasn't hate that motivated him to commit arson at the Islamic Center of Fort Pierce, but rather fear that the area would become another World Trade Center attack. The fire was set last year on the 15th anniversary of 9-11. Schreiber is also forced to pay $10,000 restitution to the mosque for the attack. The damage to the mosque was extensive and the congregation is still planning a move. The city of Boston is holding a parade today to celebrate the New England Patriots' win in Super Bowl 51. The parade kicks off at 11 a.m. Eastern. The Patriots rallied for a 34-28 overtime win over the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51 on Sunday in Houston. Meanwhile, the Texas Rangers are helping to hunt for Tom Brady's missing jersey. (laughs) Now, we're not talking about the baseball team by that name. We're talking about... The cops, oh, law what? enforcement in Texas, the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers are <laughs> yeah. now, uh, you know, along with their Stetsons, bud, they're out there looking for uh, Brady's jersey. Yeah. Texas Luga, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says it's important to find the jersey, and here's why, because he doesn't want history to record the item as having been stolen in Texas. Wow, there's some thinking that you could get up to half a million dollars Easy. for that jersey. Do you Easy. think so? Oh, yeah. Easy. Yeah, sports paraphernalia of the first magnitude when it's something like that. Oh, it's huge. Um, yeah, and I, I think you're right because it's Brady's and it's this particular Super Bowl and the way it went down in hey. overtime, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. A great comeback. Houston police are already looking for the jersey, <laughs> which vanished shortly after the Super Bowl ended. Now, earlier reports yesterday had said that an equipment manager had grabbed it for safekeeping later turned out to be false. So someone did indeed walk into that locker room and steal his game-winning jersey. Well, they tell me, very limited access to an NFL locker room. And, uh, you know, the pool of people who 
who are allowed right. in there, they should very quickly be able to run through them and investigate you know, whether somebody get in from the outside or I guess remains to be seen. What a crazy story. But, you know, when they took that jersey before the game was even over or shortly after it was over, they knew if $500,000 is what they could get for it. Yeah. yeah. I think you're probably right, Deb. Yeah. In related local news, with the Super Bowl over, that meant it was time, of course, for one of the stars of the NFL's annual championship game to head to Walt Disney World. This year's post-game celebrity was James White, someone that Tom Brady had said should have won MVP, who clinched the first-ever overtime victory in a Super Bowl with his third touchdown of the game, helping his New England Patriots over the Atlanta Falcons to the largest-ever comeback in Super Bowl history. White appeared at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom yesterday afternoon, speaking to reporters, greeting cheering fans, and appearing in a parade down Main Street, USA. He was great. You know, this whole, remember the old spots on TV right after the game? They'd say, you know, oh, you just won the MVP and won the Super Bowl. Where right. are you going? And the answer would always be, I'm going to Disney World. I don't think they do that anymore, no. but they still show up. They sure do, but it would be <laughs> nice to see him uh, bring that tradition back again. It would be. And finally, I, I, I think I, they still do do that. I didn't do see they? the commercial. I seen did, the commercial. Is there a James years. White commercial shot right after the end of the game? I'll have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure they still do it. Anybody know? Is there a James White commercial? I I thought they've stopped doing it because I didn't see it. Okay, we'll check that out. We got our crack research team on that already as Yaffe weighs in from the control room. Yeah, well, we got to find that out because that was classic. Yeah. Finally, uh, speaking of our uh, crackpot producer, Mike Yaffe. No, I know I said our crack producer. Our crack producer. Not our producer on crack either. No, not that. No, I didn't say that either. I was going to call him the super producer. All right, let's move along here. (laughs) (laughs) There's his producer hat. All right, people, let's keep it moving. I know this is going to be a story you guys are going to be talking about a little bit more later on this Uh morning, but Uber is working with a veteran NASA engineer in order to advance the goal of flying cars. If you've ever sat on I-4 and thought, man, I'd love if I had a car that could vertically take off and land, Mark Moore has 30 years of experience, Mm -hmm. and now he's working on that ride-hailing company's plan to eventually develop vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. The company isn't working on a particular prototype, but rather the technology that flying cars of the future would use. Google is also investing in the dream of flying cars, putting millions into companies, working on similar programs. And join me as we find out all about the prospect of flying cars that could be, they say, just around the corner. It's coming up later in this hour as we venture into Future World. Right now, though, it's WFLA News Time 608. This is really cool. Watch a military-themed Super Bowl ad that didn't run until the game was over. Really? It's a fascinating spot, and it's actually incredible how they shot this thing they they shot it up until like the second quarter, and then they had to do all the editing, and then they had to get the military's okay, the NFL's okay before they could air the spot. But it brings together military families who have been split up, of course, because of deployments uh, in a very interesting way. It's a real tearjerker. It's really sweet to see. So check it out at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. Thanks, Dan. We join you this morning, as always, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com and we're on WFLA News Radio 1025 FM, still on AM 540 for you, and nationwide and iHeartRadio. Trump versus the courts and why my money is on the president, but this may take a while. 
I don't know if it's going into overtime, but uh, this is not going to be resolved overnight, I believe. We'll get to it in a moment, and we'll take your phone calls as well, and your text messages are welcome. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. All right, we're kicking it off here on the Tuesday edition of Good Morning Orlando, right after we update traffic and weather together here and the news as well in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Tell you what, Yaffe, before we really dive into this court fight, let's listen to President Trump, Commander-in-Chief, affirming the threat of radical Islam and our commitment to deal with it in part, not only militarily, to defeat it, but also at CENTCOM, he said, to make doggone sure that we are in control of who gets into this country. We're up against an enemy that celebrates death and totally worships destruction. You've seen that. ISIS is on a campaign of genocide, committing atrocities across the world. Radical Islamic terrorists are determined to strike our homeland, as they did on 9-11, as they did from Boston to Orlando to San Bernardino, and all across Europe. We need strong programs so that people that love us and want to love our country and will end up loving our country are allowed in, not people that want to destroy us and destroy our country. I think the military guys and gals liked it over at CENTCOM, don't you? Do you think Obama ever got a response like that? Talking to the Central Command? I don't think so. Lukewarm for him at best, because he knew they did not. He did not have their back like Trump does and will. At any rate, it's interesting to note that when Trump says we need strong programs, that's exactly what his executive order was, temporarily stopping immigration from these seven countries identified as real radical Islamic terrorist troublemakers by the Obama regime, although I'm sure they found a way to not even use the term radical Islamic terrorism, because you can't vet people coming out of these seven countries much in the news. They don't have the structure, and some of them don't have the inclination to let you know what these people are really all about. So Trump's trying to protect the country. And there is all kinds of constitutional validation of a president's right to do that. And I'll tell you about it here in a moment, if you haven't connected with this yet. But let me tell you also that this judge who got it all started out in Seattle, this U.S. District Court Judge James Robart, Sean Spicer, Trump's um, press secretary, said he's gone rogue. He was a Bush 43 appointee, okay? Um, and he and he issued this temporary hold on the immigration ban nationwide. Department of Justice lawyers appealed to the liberal Ninth Circuit, which is the most overturned in the country, and they're going to hold these uh, arguments today, oral arguments today, and make a ruling later in the week. Now, I will tell you in a moment how I think this is going to go. Actually, I'll tell you now. I think what's going to happen is they are going to rule with this judge and they're going to rule against the president of the United States and the commander in chief. And then it will be appealed to the United States Supreme Court. Without Scalia, it's 4-4. Don't have a full complement of justices. 
then I think you're probably going to see the whole thing just stop until they get Gorsuch in and it's 5-4 and ultimately the Supreme Court rules in Trump's favor. The problem is, in the meantime, as the president has said, these people can continue to pour in with a greater sense of urgency than ever. Get in here into the United States while the getting's good. Good actors and bad actors alike, and that is what frightens me. It's outrageous what's going on here, and I'll tell you why my money is on Trump to win this thing, ultimately, over the court system. Um, To me, it ought to be a slam dunk. We'll see. I'm not a lawyer, but I'll tell you what I've got coming up in a moment, and I'd like to know what you think. 407-916-5400 and our text line 236-80. Tell you what I think about the Burn Fowler Lando program. Bang! I am a man of action, okay? I want results when I try to do something. So off air, during the break, I'm asking Yaffe, what do you got on the text line? Thinking he's going to tell me he's got all these calls on Trump versus the courts, etc. <laughs> but you got one that happens to have to do with the Super Bowl. There's some funny stuff going around, Mike. Well, yeah, I was about to say, it's more than one. He's This guy's got jokes. <laughs> he says, um, he's got his priorities straight, too, apparently. He says, what's the difference between Falcons and cigarettes? Hmm. Tom Brady doesn't smoke cigarettes. But he sure did smoke the Falcons. <laughs> what else? Another one said, uh, how many Falcons does it take to win a Super Bowl? <laughs> we may never know. <laughs> a couple more here. One says, I was going to get my boy a Falcons jersey. Then I found out it was a choking hazard. Oh, brutal. <laughs> and this one's good. Uh, CNN is reporting that the Russians hacked the overtime coin toss. <laughs> so there you go oh, gee whiz that is funny stuff you know um uh spicer said that the judge on this um seattle ruling against um trump's um you know ban on on immigration temporarily for these countries um had gone rogue and you know what he's been a pretty mainline judge but he you know he's a little off the rails on this is apparently james judge um, or Judge James Robart told a lawyer from the Department of Justice that the federal government has not arrested anyone since 2001 from any of the seven countries named in in the in the um, in the um, the immigration pause by uh, by Trump. But he says no, and he says here you're arguing on behalf of someone that says we have to protect the United States from these individuals coming up from these countries, and there's no support for that. Aha. However, there is now research from our friends at Breitbart. They've come up with information from the Senate Immigration Subcommittee that, in fact, the government has arrested and convicted at least 73 people from those seven countries Trump identified, and the Obama regime did as well, as hotbeds of terrorism, Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Syria, Sudan, and Yemen, 73 since the 9-11 attacks. Very interesting, isn't it? Now, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution gives Congress the power to regulate immigration. Go back to 1952, Congress passes a law empowering the president to deny entry into the U.S. of any class of aliens considered to be detrimental to the interests of the United States, a threat to America, and the interests of national security. The president can impose these bans on any class of aliens. And these aliens are the rulings tell us, have no constitutional rights here in the United States. The Supreme Court has repeatedly ruled that Congress and the president have 
unlimited power, really, to regulate immigration. For more than a century, the high court has consistently upheld such authority and rejected constitutional challenges to presidential action banning entire groups of foreigners. This is why, ultimately, put your money on President Donald Trump. Ultimately, this is going to be won by the commander-in-chief. There, there, there's just too much precedent here and such a clear definition of what the president is charged with doing in protecting and defending the Constitution and, by extension, the people he serves. And between Congress and the president of the United States, they can do what they want to shut the door when it is needed in the interest of national security. I don't think it's going to fly with the Ninth Circuit. They're too liberal. I think it'll be two to one, probably, maybe 3 0 the wrong way. Then it goes to the Supreme Court. Unfortunately, we're 4 4 there, and the whole thing may be held up until we get Gorsuch. And that would be a shame because, because as, Trump, as Trump said in a tweet, Yaffe, you know, he said, people pouring in here, bad thing, you know. And, and I think right now the word has to be out all around the world, you know. Whether, whether you're, you know, whoever you are, you want to come into this country, there's now an, a sense of urgency. And, and that, that, that's for the bad and that's for the good, okay? To get in here while the getting's good. And, and I think that's only going to increase the threat we will face. Yeah, that's actually a pretty, pretty good point, I think. I think Trump's right on that. All right. And, and, and the Bud Man would also then be right on that. Yes, by extension, oh, yes, but grudgingly, there, there we go. Are you happy? <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy. Feel better now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. Right now, let's check in with uh, Deb in the newsroom for more on Trump versus the courts. Take it away. Thank you, bud. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals is the battleground today over President Donald Trump's travel and refugee ban. The court hears arguments about a temporary restraining order currently blocking the ban. The government insists Trump has the authority to issue the ban. Washington State and Minnesota have challenged it. Dozens of tech companies have also opposed the ban. The Supreme Court may eventually have to settle things. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A circuit judge in Broward County could be in serious trouble for remarks she allegedly made at a training seminar for new judges. Barbara Duffy is accused of getting drunk and making anti-Hispanic remarks in front of Jorge LaBarga, the first Cuban-American to serve as chief justice of the Florida Supreme Court. But LaBarga won't talk about it. I don't know what's going to come of that. And that may be a case that may come before this court uh, one way or another. So I, I can't comment on, on anything that's, that may come before us. So we'll see how that develops. George Duffy's alleged rant happened last year at a training seminar for new judges called Florida Judicial College. The public defender's office wants her removed from a case where the defendant is Hispanic. In the meantime, the chief justice of the Florida Supreme Court appoints three prominent attorneys to serve on the Constitution Revision Commission, a group that meets every 20 years to recommend changes to the state constitution. Justice Jorge Labarga was looking for people who understand the importance of judicial independence and the separation of powers. It is crucial that the three names I select should represent a broad scope of knowledge about the importance of our system of government based on the separation of powers. 
La Barga named Hank Cox of Jacksonville, Roberto Martinez of Coral Gables, and Arthenia Joyner of Tampa to serve on the Constitution Revision Commission. And Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg says the nation needs to return to civil discourse. That's the message the 83-year-old Ginsburg delivered to an audience at Stanford University last night. She said she wishes she could wave a magic wand and put the country back to when people were respectful of each other and government worked for the good of the country, not just along party lines. Justice Ginsburg, who survived both uh, pancreatic and colon cancer, recalled a favorite expression of her good friend and ideological opposite on the court, the late Justice Antonin Scalia. Washington, D.C., Ginsburg said, needs to, quote, get over it. In sports, the Magic will be in Houston tonight to take on James Harden and the Houston Rockets. Tip-off is at 8. WFLA News Time, 635. I'm Deborah Roberts, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. Thanks, Deb. And we continue from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We're on WFLA News Radio 1025 FM, still on AM 540 and nationwide on iHeartRadio. Download that iHeartRadio app. You will love it. Wonderful to have Gina Cervetti back with us in the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City with our daily Bloomberg Business Report. And welcome back and good Tuesday morning to you, Gina. Well, thank you very much, Bud. It's good to be back and a very good Tuesday morning to you as well. Well, let's check out yesterday's performance in the markets and what you're seeing for today's session. All right. Well, it looks like we're headed for a higher Wall Street open. We have the stock futures moving higher this morning. We had a little bit of a lower close yesterday as U.S. stocks fell along with world equity markets to start the week. The S&P was down five points or two-tenths percent to 2293. The Dow ended 19 points lower at 20,052. And the Nasdaq slipped about three points to 5664. Mm -hmm. We have some updates today on job openings and labor turnover, a look at the trade balance. Consumer credit activity and among the companies slated to report earnings are General Motors this morning. We hear from Oreo cookie maker Mondelez and Disney later on today. Oh, Disney, that'll be interesting. Oh, we'll have our ears up for that, no question. Now, I want to um, I want to tell you, we've lived here in Orlando for more than 30 years. There's quite literally nowhere our family would rather live. And it's always interesting to me when a list of the best places to live in America comes out. And you've got a new edition this morning. Well, how do we do? How did we fare? Right. Well, I guess it all depends on your perspective. As you point out, uh, people that live in certain areas may be partial to these rankings. This is from U.S. News and World Reports. They've put Orlando at number 40 out of the 100 best places to live. Oh, come and, on now. <laughs> Give me a break here. Oh, they, they look, where else can you be right next door to Mickey Mouse? Come on. Right? I love it down here. 45 minutes from the beach. Sunshine every day. I know. I know. Uh, well, they looked at some very specific things here. Okay. And here's what they came out with. The cost of living is lower than the national average. That's good. No Florida income tax. Jobless rate, good, 4.4%. Median home price, just under $188,000. That's pretty good, too. Puts housing costs lower than the national yeah. average. But everyday expenses like food and health care are on par with cities of similar size. So the lowest score for Orlando actually came in that category of value. It scored a 5 out of 10. Now, the highest score for the city, though, net migration. People want to live in Orlando, desirability fared well. The average salary there in Orlando, $41,000 a year. And by the way, Austin, Texas came in at the very top of the list here. 
as the number one best place to live in America? That's right. No kidding. <laughs> what was number 100? Do you happen to have oh, that handy gosh. or not? Uh, Puerto Rico. It was San Juan, Puerto Rico, I believe. I know they're having big economic problems out that way. Interesting. Okay, before I let you go, um, seems like every couple of weeks we've got a major airline with a major computer glitch tying up and canceling flights and people's flight plans. What's going on in the industry? Right. Why does it seem like these computers are always coming down? Well, things are a lot more complicated these days, but basically it boils down to that. Uh, Delta suffered an IT outage late last month. A week earlier, we had United Continental with trouble, and this follows major system problems last summer. But the underlying theme here again is that the airlines are asking their IT to accomplish far more than ever before. And all of these systems have to communicate with each other, and the more complicated the networks, the more prone they are to failure. Of course, that uh, no consolation for the passengers yeah. who get stuck at the airport. Yeah, it's Russian roulette. You never know when it's going to be your airline and your flight. I hope they can get that straightened out. Interesting as always, and always a pleasure when you join us, uh, Gina Cervetti, with the Bloomberg Business Report. Have a great day, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Thank you. You too. All right. Good deal. You know, we talk a lot about Trump derangement syndrome here. You know, Democrats, liberals just going apoplectic at the very thought, the very sight of our new president. we got a fresh look at Trump derangement syndrome. Might just be a good thing. Let me explain here in a moment. And uh, we'll get to that in a moment, so stay tuned. It comes up along with an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Before we get into the intriguing latest possibility of flying cars in the not-too-distant future on our journey to future world, let's spend a few moments with a fresh look at uh, what we call Trump derangement syndrome, you know, where, where, where people who did not vote for Donald Trump just are apoplectic. I mean, they just go insane. They lose their minds at the very thought of the man. All you have to do is get on Facebook or Twitter, and Yaffe, this stuff just goes on and on and on. You know, and we have friends of many, many years from other parts of the country who see politics differently than we do, and they just put out the ugliest um, stuff, and they're so stressed out. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Yes, there was opposition to Obama, and it was intense, and in my opinion, justified. But but I've never seen anything like we've seen with Trump throughout the campaign since his election, and particularly since he took power as the president of the United States. Yeah, it's been actually amazing to me how many mainstream liberal Democrats I've seen in the media talk about impeaching him already. It's been two weeks he hasn't even really done all that much, and they're talking about impeaching him. Yeah, it's, it's pure, it's pure, almost irrational hatred. But now it's interesting. Some Democrats are beginning to think maybe we're overplaying our hand here and that we are going to lose support if we just continue with Trump derangement syndrome every time he says or does anything. With every tweet and we come unglued, you just cannot possibly continue to be negative, negative, negative at the rate of speed Trump is cranking out stuff and getting things done. And you're going to wear out your welcome with a lot of voters who are not consumed with Trump derangement syndrome. 
Lots of mainline Democrats, not the liberal base. They're all nuts over this guy, and they're going to continue to be. But for the whole party to go down that road, Democrats are now beginning to say, this is counterproductive. We're going to alienate moderate voters. And we got to stop doing it. We got to pull back. That the anger is just too much and it is constant. And 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 Democrats are saying, don't take Trump's bait. Because I think sometimes he is absolutely baiting the left. Other Democrats saying, you know what? We cannot be consistently negative and irrationally angry. That we need to be guided by a positive message for this country. I don't hear it. Do you? Maybe I don't want to hear it. Maybe the best thing for me and for a lot of you is that if Trump derangement syndrome goes on. So, Yaffe, maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, I, I think it's one of his best assets because people are going to look <laughs> at that and they're going to lose. And the, the left is losing their credibility with a lot of that stuff. The thing is, we have to not feed into it and, you know, fight fire with fire and start doing some of this stuff ourselves against them. That That's what I worry about. That's yep. what I don't want to see happen. I understand. That's right from the here and now. We are going to break loose and head into the future. It's Future World and a look at a, um, a remarkable joint effort between a guy from NASA and Uber to create flying cars. And I'm not talking 100 years from now. I'm talking about much, much sooner than that. Stay with us. We're heading to Future World in a moment. Now, Good Morning Orlando transports you from today to tomorrow and beyond. Prepare to be amazed as you enter Future World. Boy, whenever you're stuck in traffic, don't you sometimes just, you know, let your mind drift to the idea of what if I could just, you know, elevate and go right above everybody and just fly to my destination and not put up with this gridlock. You know, and people have been talking about flying cars for years. goes back to the Jetsons TV show. Um, how far away are we? Well, maybe not as far as you might think. This surprised me. There's a partnership developing between Uber, the ride-sharing operation that is so super popular now, and a soon-to-retire engineer at NASA who believes that flying car technology can be brought to reality in a matter of just a few years. We're talking about Mark Moore. Close to retirement, after years, 30 years or so, as an advanced aircraft engineer at NASA's Langley Research Center, he has been doing research that has caught Uber's attention on so-called VTOL, V-T-O-L, the acronym for Vertical Takeoff and Landing Vehicles, or Flying Cars. Yep, he's leaving NASA, partnering with Uber in an effort to create a network of flying cars around the country. They call the program Uber Elevate. And Moore says, I can't think of another company in a stronger position to be the leader for this new for this new effort to actually create flying cars that are practical and safe to use. 
Let me tell you how Uber's and Moore's vision would unfold, and perhaps in just, they believe, three years or less. Listen to this. Uber Elevate envisions people taking conventional Uber cabs from their homes to nearby vertiports that dot residential neighborhoods. Then they zoom up into the air and across town to the vertiport closest to their offices, get out and head to the office. These air taxis will only need ranges of between 50 and 100 miles. They will be electric. Moore predicts we will see several well-engineered flying cars in the next one to three years and that there will be human pilots at least managing the onboard computers for the foreseeable future. Big technical problems to overcome with these flying cars, noise pollution, vehicle efficiency, and limited battery life. You don't need to be falling out of the sky when all of a sudden you lose the juice. But this is an interesting partnership. Um, Uber is so forward-thinking, Yaffe, and they have billions and billions of dollars to work with here. They're making money hand over fist. And this guy, Moore, from NASA, has been researching flying cars for years. It's the perfect marriage. It's about, it's about time, bud. That's Are you all ready? I got to say. I'm, re- I'm ready for this. Yeah. Although, yeah. I don't know how they're going to have any room in the sky. They're going to have all these drones, and then you still have airplanes and helicopters, and now, you know, flying cars. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's an unbelievable technical challenge, but I mean... The idea, I mean, it, I, I, I could do flying car stories all the time in Future World, but when you take this guy with all the cred he's got with NASA oh, yeah. and, and you, you put it together with Uber, you know, um, in, in terms of what they can do in terms of transportation, uh, it, it's certainly worth thinking about that this could be a very serious effort um, to get us off the ground. You know, can you imagine that? No, <laughs> no bridges, no traffic jams. Yeah, I mean, driverless cars are already heading in the direction of no traffic jams and if yeah if some cars are flying some are on the road i mean the the technology is actually kind of getting there yeah and ultimately maybe maybe the last line of back to the future would apply remember when doc said roads where we're going we don't need roads flying cars maybe closer than we think that's our visit to future world We invite you to journey with us next time into Future World, where the wonders of tomorrow are revealed today. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here at the top of the 7 o'clock hour on a Tuesday as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a federal appeals court takes up Trump's travel ban today, and a new study finds lots of stress in American workers. We'll have the details in one minute. The case for Trump's education secretary nominee. Betsy DeVos, next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning at 7.02 on News Radio 1025. The battle over President Trump's travel and refugee ban could reach the U.S. Supreme Court, but today it goes before a federal appeals court in San Francisco. State lawyers say Trump's executive order is unconstitutional. Federal lawyers argue that when it comes to keeping the country safe, the president has the power to decide what non-U.S. citizens are allowed into the country. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
The Senate, meanwhile, is expected to vote to confirm Betsy DeVos as Education Secretary today after Democrats held the floor throughout the night to voice their opposition to the pick. Former vice presidential nominee Tim Kaine spoke overnight, saying that while the state of public education is clearly imperfect, DeVos is hardly the right choice to fix it. We do not take kindly to people who trash the state of public education today because we know how far we've come. We know how far we've come. DeVos is a strong advocate for charter schools and voucher programs, but Senator Kane says in his home state of Virginia they don't even deal with vouchers because of the way they used to promote segregation in the 50s and 60s. Two Republicans plan to vote against DeVos. That would make the vote a 50-50 tie, with Vice President Mike Pence casting the deciding vote. Now, the Democrats were trying, I think, in their 24-hour talkathon to pry loose one more vote which would have sent the nomination down. But that has not happened as far as you know, Deb? No, not at all. And they're done. And they're done. So the Senate is expected to follow through with confirmation today. Got it. If you're feeling stressed at work, you're not alone. A new study by AccountTemp says 6 in 10 employees of U.S. companies are having to do more and more work, and that's because the either four are either bosses or they're lying. Account Temp's Bill Driscoll says the problem is obvious. Job growth is is on the rise. It's the highest rate it's been in 14 years, while unemployment is at its lowest levels in nine. So um, what's happening is there's a lot of work to be done um, and not a lot of backup help right now. So people are feeling overworked. Driscoll says millennials are having the worst time with this, so managers should provide mentors to help them set priorities. The study rated Salt Lake City, Boston, Des Moines, Iowa, Cleveland, and New York as the cities with America's most stressed-out workers. Don't know if you know this, but the IRS can pull the passports of Americans who aren't paying their taxes. The tax agency says it's ready to begin enforcing a law Congress passed and former President Obama signed more than a year ago. The law lets the IRS notify the State Department about people who have a seriously delinquent tax debt. The State Department then generally won't issue or renew a passport after getting certification from the IRS. The tax agency says it'll start sending those unpaid tax notices to the State Department early this year. The IRS website will let Americans know when the process is in force. And finally, Vizio is paying more than $2 million for spying on people who bought the company's TV sets. I'm one of them. The Federal Trade Commission announced Monday that Vizio will pay $2.2 million to settle charges. It installed tracking software on 11 million TVs. So they can tell what it is you're watching when you're watching it? Is that the dimming? They don't have a camera aimed at you or anything. That we know of. Wow. I mean, we didn't know the tracking software was installed in our televisions. Okay. You know. Boy, that's... Easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. I see, yeah. So the FTC said Vizio tracked set owners' viewings, uh, viewing without telling them, let alone getting their permission. See, if you want to track what I'm watching, just ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you, but yeah, just ask. You. Yeah. A federal yeah. court has ordered Vizio to let people know and get their permission to collect information and to let them know how. That information is being shared. All I know is I do not not want to know what you're watching, Deb. I watch a lot of investigation discovery. I am a true crime aficionado. That's it, huh? Yeah. If I could, like, be a crime scene detective, oh, yeah, be a a homicide detective. If I could watch one crime show, I would watch Blue Bloods. I think it's just fantastic. Oh, I love uh, Deadly Women, Wives with Knives. 
Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> scares my boyfriend. Yeah, it is a little scary. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I need a little more space here yeah. in the studio. Normally when I talk about the shows I like to watch, I do notice people giving me a little bit of extra physical space. They don't want to get too close. Wives with knives, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's not co-hosts with knives. <laughs> so you're okay. But you're right. You don't want to know what she watches. <laughs> it's some scary stuff. Yep. Hey, you know, there is a show on a Investigation Discovery called uh, Truth is Stranger Than Florida. Is there really? Yes, there is. You know your state's made it when it's got its own series that, you know, it's all about the strange things that happen in the Sunshine State. What's the name of the show? It's called Truth is Stranger Than Florida. I'm going to check that out. All right. WFLA News Time at 7.08. Check out a divine cloud that appeared over the island of Tonga. Online now at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. From the Front Gate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We're on WFLA, News Radio 1025 FM, still on AM 540. Nationwide and iHeartRadio. Download that fantastic iHeartRadio app. You will love it. Um, so now we not only have Trump derangement syndrome we talked about last hour, we've got Betsy DeVos derangement syndrome. A look behind this and the case for Betsy DeVos as the next education secretary. I think she brings needed change to public education. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So far, it looks like Democrats with their 24 hour Senate talkathon have been unable to pry loose another vote from the Republicans, and it will take Mike Pence presiding over the Senate as vice president, which the Constitution provides for, to cast a deciding vote to get her confirmed as the, the Secretary of Education. I mean, the DeVos derangement syndrome is just going, it's just absolutely out of control. Do you know that there are 60,000 members of the BTA all wearing black in classrooms around America? What is the BTA? It's the Badass Teachers Association. And it's an organized blackout protest. Came to fruition on social media like these things do almost overnight. And all these teachers who hate the idea of DeVos running the show and the education bureaucracy, they're all wearing black. You know, I mean, and and they say they're all supporters of public education. The problem is Betsy DeVos doesn't want to end public schools in this country. She wants to give parents who have one chance to raise their precious sons and daughters Choices they do not now have. And that is not evil. That, I would submit to you, is a good thing. Betsy DeVos, the daughter-in-law, by the way, of Rich DeVos, who owns the Orlando Magic, is an ardent supporter of, of all forms of school choice. I mean, she did groundbreaking work in Michigan, in charter schools. She's big on charter schools as an option for parents voucher programs to help families choose qualified private or parochial schools when they think that is best for their kids. Critics say this is just radical. It's not. It's good. Choice is good. It's not trying to destroy the public school system. It's trying to give parents choices they do not now have. This is all about the teachers' unions, Yaffe, and the stranglehold they have. 
And, and, and this is why the Democrats are going nuts here, because they depend upon the, you know, the, the, the donations and, and the lobbying efforts of the, through the teachers' unions, et cetera. They're totally beholden to them and totally sold out to them. And then you got people on the left, too, who are very secular, and they don't like the idea that in Betsy DeVos you've got somebody who's an evangelical Christian with very deeply held Christian beliefs. And, yes, she does want parents to have the opportunity to send their kids to schools that teach religion that they do not now practically have, particularly in our inner cities. Again, it's all about choice. But this is where the opposition lies. And in, in, in the Democrats, with the teachers' unions— and 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 this this anti-Christian movement in this country from the left. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. In fact, most of the opposition I've seen uh, against it, even from the two Republicans that went against her, have um they've just been against school choice. For some reason, they don't want the competition. They, I mean, you talk they they talk about how much they hate monopolies. Public education is one of the biggest monopolies out there. This is what made America great. I cannot think of an exception where competition did not create better product or service. I can't think of an example of that. And in education, I believe it would do the same. But you only have one chance to raise your kids. And increasing the options you have educationally, that has to be a good thing for America. Anthony, by the way, in a moment I want to ask you, you've got somebody who's been dawning black, I guess, in the teaching professor, part of this BTA social media protest against DeVos's nomination from the Badass Teachers Association, as they call themselves. Um, where are you on Betsy DeVos? Do you fear her? I don't. No, no, no. I'll ask you in a moment, Anthony. I'm posing this question to the audience. We need to take a break. 407-916. Do you fear her? Do you fear choice and options and education, competition for public schools? She's not trying to destroy them. She's just trying to give people other choices. She's not evil. She's not incompetent. This DeVos derangement syndrome, I've had about enough. I think she's going to get confirmed, but only by a whisker. 407-916-5400-23680 is our text line. Let's weigh in on the conversation here. And are you one of those teachers? From the BTA, we're in black this week. Go to the phones here in just a second, and we have a teacher who does not want name or location identified on the radio for fear of reprisals from the teachers' union. But first of all, we have these 60,000 teachers all wearing black around the country, members of the BTA, the Badass Teachers Association, opposed to Betsy DeVos. And uh, you've got a connection to one of them, Anthony. Yes, bud. My old French teacher, who is probably my favorite teacher of all time, um, is Donning Black. Uh, we had a very long discussion about this. What's um, her problem with uh, the DeVos nomination? Well, she's against school choice. Um, she She's heavily invested in the teachers' union. We actually d- agree on DeVos, but for entirely different reasons. All right. Fair enough. Here's here's one thing that occurs to me. You know, Yaffe, the Democrats, um, their big cons- one of their big constituencies is, uh, you know, poor people in the inner cities, minorities principally. You know, and they're the ones who can be benefit, who can benefit from what DeVos is talking about here. Because people with a lot of money, you know, out in the suburbs, they can send their kids anywhere and foot the bill, okay? And those choices are not available to a major Democrat constituency. On that basis alone, you might well think they would go for somebody choice-oriented like Betsy DeVos. 
In fact, many of the minorities have already benefited a lot in states like Florida right here. There's evidence of that. Let's go to this teacher who needs to remain anonymous for the reasons I cited, fear of reprisal from a teacher's union. And let's talk to that caller right now. You are in favor of Betsy DeVos being confirmed. Is that right? I am. Why? I am, but um, well, you know, I am a fan of school choice, and I, you know, I believe it works in Europe. You know, school either either does a good job or it goes out of business, and uh, a new new leadership takes over. And you know, the only thing is, is that with with the school choice and the one hiccup I see with what Betsy DeVos proposes is that. Um, private schools can accept government funding, but they don't have to take students with disabilities. They don't have to provide services for children they choose or deem shouldn't go to school there. So if they're going to receive government funding, I think they should also they should also hold to the same standard in terms of who is allowed to go and what are the, what the rules are. You know, it should be should make the the playing ground fair in terms of that. Interesting. Very nice that you would call here this morning, and I do thank you, but I'm saddened by the situation that you felt a, that you could not reveal your location or your name because the teachers' union would get even with you as a teacher for DeVos. On the text line at 23680, the incoming Yaffe. Uh, yes, lots of stuff incoming on this, bud. One person said uh, the Democrats will argue anything to keep their leftist indoctrination in schools. Another person said, I would bet all Congress, all of Congress, has their kids in private school, charter schools, unless they live in a very, very upscale, nice neighborhood for public schools. So I bet a lot of people that are against DeVos probably have their kids in private school. And one person pointed out that um, uh, a lot of minorities, African-American population, has been waiting for vouchers for over 10 years with good reason. And yet it was opposed by Obama, whose kids go to private school. Right. Didn't go to the Washington, uh, D.C. public schools. Right. You know, neither neither did Chelsea Clinton. Okay. What does that tell you? Certain amount of hypocrisy there, huh? Deb's sliding in alongside me right now to get us all up to date on the news at the bottom of the 7 o'clock hour. What you got? Well, our big story of the day, of course, Bud, is the fact that a federal appeals court in San Francisco will hear arguments today concerning President Trump's travel and refugee ban last Friday. A federal judge in Seattle temporarily blocked the order, saying his job is to ensure that any action taken by the government comports with our country's laws. State lawyers agree that the ban is unconstitutional, but federal lawyers say when it comes to national security, the president has the power to decide what non-citizens can enter the United States. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Yeah, we got into that big time earlier in the show, and it's very, very clear when you read the Constitution about Congress having the power to regulate immigration and the court decisions that have been made over the years from the Supreme Court on down. The president has just almost unlimited um, uh, powers in the in the instance of national security concerns to deal with immigration. I think Ultimately, this resolves in Trump's favor, but as I said, it may take quite a while if it has to go to the Supreme Court. I agree, bud, but right now I think I would rather talk about Kit Kat sushi, Oreo-flavored beer, and a $10,000 Cheeto. Ho, ho, let's go. All right. Kit Kat has just released images of its wild new sushi sets. The bars come in three flavors, which fortunately do not taste anything like the varieties of sushi they're modeled to look like. Oh, okay. I thought it was like, you know, melting down Kit Kats and ladling the chocolate over no. the raw fish. But you do have the seaweed. 
So you still get a little bit of that sushi-esque flavor. There is tuna sushi, which is actually tastes like raspberry. The seaweed wrap sushi omelet, mmm, is really a pumpkin pudding Kit Kat. Oh. And lastly, the sea urchin sushi is a Hokkaido melon with masca- uh, mascarpone cheese Kit Kat. What in the world is going on? And this is all this is all produced by the Kit Kat folks? Yes, in Japan. Oh, okay. In That's Japan. almost far enough away for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, all three in this new set have a base made of puffed rice with white chocolate and a hint of wasabi. Now, Kit Kat has long been famed for venturing into unusual territory in Japan, bud. Wasabi, lemon vinegar, and sake are among the 300 varieties of Kit Kat bars to go on sale there since the early 2000s. Think about it here. We have chocolate Kit Kat and white chocolate Kit Kat. Yeah. They have wasabi, lemon vinegar, pumpkin pudding. Uh, This is the first time, though, the brand has ever released a set inspired by sushi. Reps from Kit Kat owner Nestle say it all started with a 2016 April Fool's Day social media post featuring a mock advertisement for sushi Kit Kats. The response was so strong, they decided to go ahead and create a few for real. You know my wasabi story, don't you? Oh. Remember that when I thought it was guacamole well, and I took someone, a great big hunk of it? And well, just someone about, truly did not tell you it was wasabi. Woo, they let man, you think it was guacamole. Yeah. Oh, that will peel the skin off the back of your neck. Man, brutal. Anyway, I digress. Well, go ahead. If uh, what, what would you want to wash a sushi Kit Kat set down with? How about an Oreo-flavored beer? Okay, okay. I'm having a hard time even imagining this is possible. Go ahead. I am as well, but a Virginia brewing company is out with a craft beer fermented in hundreds of pounds of Oreo cookies. The Richmond-based Vale Brewing Company's cookie-infused beer was released with limited quantities of 16, uh, 16-ounce cans this week. And, Bud, believe it or not, it quickly sold out. People who were able to get one of the Uh, cases of Oreo-flavored beer are being encouraged to keep the drink cold and drink it fresh since it has fermentable sugars. Real men do not eat, drink Oreo-flavored beer. You know, I'm the wussification of the world here. It's just (laughs) killing me. Are you, really? Okay, go ahead. I just like Anything more or are we done now? Yeah, no, we've got one more. I've got one more. A yeah, Cheeto. finish me off. I'm just about dead now anyway. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I like a goal. A Cheeto <laughs> that looks like the slang gorilla Harambe has sold for nearly $100,000 on eBay. I was wrong. I said it's a $10,000 Cheeto. It's a, a $100,000 Cheeto. Well, when you first said this, I thought it was a cheetah. No, I thought it was Cheeto. like, you know, the like the, the big cat. No, Cheeto. Cheeto. Orange snack. That's right. Love orange em. fingers. Yeah. The seller says he found the gorilla-shaped snack in a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos. Are we sure this isn't Mike Yaffe? Because if anyone on this team would be eating flaming Hot Cheetos, it would be our super It producer. certainly would be. Yeah, he's into anything flaming Hot. Well, get this. Bidding began at $11.99 on January 28th. It ended this morning with a winning bid of $99,900. For those who do not remember, Harambe was the gorilla at the Cincinnati Zoo that handler shot dead after he started dragging a little boy who had gotten into his enclosure. Oh, we all remember that story. That is yeah. Harambe. I see. Wow. And so someone now has $100,000 more in the bank because they found a Cheeto. 
that looked like the slain gorilla. I'll be doggone. The Deb Meister with news you will hear no place else and right aren't here. aren't you thankful for that? Well, it, 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 <laughs> when, it, when it comes down to, you know, all of that sushi stuff, yeah, it was. Other than that, it's the best. <laughs> so are you, Deb. Thank you. You're welcome. Deborah Roberts with the news top and bottom of the hour whenever it breaks. My co-host and partner right here on... News Radio 1025 WFLA FM AM 540, and of course, nationwide on the iHeartRadio app. Download it uh, right now and check us out on iHeartRadio wherever you are. I can do a Christianity under attack story every single day on this show. I've got one I want to share with you that comes from a small Mississippi town where a Christian flag has been forced down off the flagpole. But the people are rising up. The story coming up. Stay tuned. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Well, I was wondering if I blow out of here at 9 o'clock and head to the airport. Think, could I get a flight and get on the ground in Boston by 11? Probably a little tight. Poor planning by the Bud Man here. <laughs> anyway, let me take you out to the small. Mississippi town of Rienzi. A couple of hundred people live there, predominantly Christian town. They put up a flag, a Christian flag. It's got a cross on it. It's a white flag. It's got a cross on it. On the flagpole in the town's Veterans Memorial Park. And then Mayor Walter Williams took it down. Why? Because he had been threatened by this Freedom From Religion Foundation organization that targets towns, cities, and the military anytime they see Christianity in the public square and they consider it to be some kind of a First Amendment violation. Okay? They threatened Rienzi with a $500,000 lawsuit. So the mayor took the flag down. That's the first thing I have a problem with. We Christians have got to stand up for what we believe. He should have left the flag up there and called the Liberty Council and Matt Staver. they defend him in a heartbeat right out of central Florida on religious liberty grounds. And I'll bet they would win the day in court as they have countless times. Well, the people decided, guess what? We're not going to stand for this kind of intimidation. So they had a major demonstration after that flag was brought down by the mayor whose knees buckled under the threat of this half-a-million-dollar lawsuit, okay? Should not be able to intimidate Christians like this. But they had people in their cars and their motorcycles and on foot all showing up with Christian flags in a big pro-Christian demonstration in the town square on Saturday. Pretty cool sight. Now they're going to decide what the next move is. Uh, Rienzi has a town board meeting scheduled for today, and we will see. I'm telling you right now, I think I may actually call him over there, Yaffe, and tell him to get on the horn to Longwood, Florida, headquarters for Matt Staver's Liberty Council. This sounds like a job for them to handle, and I'm sure they would do it gratis. Yeah, you know, the thing that uh, makes this, makes me in favor of of them who want to put the Christian flag up is it, it's a memorial. 
you know, I feel like that's appropriate for a, mem- a memorial. Yeah. Is a Christian flag. You know, if it wasn't a memorial, maybe I can understand if it was over like the courthouse or something, then yeah, I could probably understand. But it's a veteran's memorial. I mean, can't you just appreciate it there? Sure. Be okay with it there? Sure. But you have to understand that, that I'm sure that this, that this, that this organization, if they could remove all the crosses over the graves in Arlington, they would do it. Yeah. on the same grounds and that is where they ultimately i am sure are headed and 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 that's why we need to stand up against this kind of thing and we will see what comes down in that town board meeting today in Rienzi Mississippi yeah and it seems like a lot of people stood up against it already in that town absolutely so that's good sounds like almost everybody they had a couple of hundred of the demonstration they only got a couple of hundred people living there so that's a good thing you know but if i i, I i'm i don't understand why the mayor caved just under the threat of a lawsuit we cannot cave to that kind of intimidation it simply breeds more okay well i mean that that's what they want they they want you to cave they don't don't want it to go any further they just want the threat and you cave to the threat and then it's just like you said they'll keep doing it other places we'll follow it in rienzi mississippi for you christianity under assault once again Good morning, Orlando. We are so glad you have joined us on the 50,000-watt front porch and really going to want to hear from you off the top of the 8 o'clock hour here as we get into Obamacare. Suddenly, there seem to be some cracks in the Republicans' front and their commitment, and the president as well, frankly, to quickly repeal and replace Obamacare. We're suddenly hearing a word I don't recall hearing during the campaign about repairing Obamacare. And I'm not hearing quickly or immediately. I'm now hearing 2018. And I'm a little bit troubled by this. And we're going to talk about what's going on here. That tax cut the president promised as well to millions of middle-class Americans, suddenly it's looking like the timeline on that to be dealt with by Congress, which handles the purse strings, of course, is sliding as well. You have a problem with that? What's going on here? We're going to talk about it together, so stay tuned here. In the meantime... It's the Bud Man and the Deb Meister and Yaffe and Anthony together with you on Good Morning Orlando, the Tuesday edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. You'll find us on WFLA News Radio 1025 FM, still across the peninsula on AM 540 and nationwide on iHeartRadio. Just download the iHeartRadio app and you will absolutely love it. Speaking of Deb, she's checking in now with more on the uh, news and the federal appeals court that's taking up Trump's travel ban today. And you remember that ship that went down on a hurricane so tragically off the Bahamas? The last El Faro hearing now underway. Coming up on 759 here on the 50,000-watt front porch. Good Tuesday morning. We are glad you're with us. Good morning, Orlando. So glad you're with us here at the top of the 8 o'clock hour on a Tuesday for the very latest on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a federal appeals court takes up Trump's travel ban and the last Alfaro hearing is underway. We'll have the details in one minute. And the timeline on Obamacare seems to be slipping. What's going on here and how do you feel about it? Next on Good Morning Orlando. 
Good Tuesday morning. It's 8.02 on News Radio 102.5. A federal appeals court panel will hear arguments later today on President Trump's controversial travel ban. Then the judges on the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals will decide whether a suspension of the executive order should continue. Seventeen states are joining Washington State and Minnesota in opposing the ban. They argue that it would hurt staffing and operations at state universities and hospitals and would cut into tax revenues. The Justice Department is defending the order as constitutional. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The Speaker of the U.K. House of Commons is facing some blowback after he said that President Trump would not be welcome to speak before Parliament when he visits. John Burko made the comments yesterday and said it was a stand against racism and sexism. An address by a foreign leader to both houses of Parliament is not an automatic right. It is an earned honour. One lawmaker said Burkow doesn't know if he speaks for the majority of the House of Commons. Another member of Parliament told the BBC that while Burkow can certainly speak his mind, it's important that the UK respect the office of US president because of the important relationship between the two nations. Some of Burkow's supporters say he's only supposed to remain neutral on domestic issues, so his thoughts on President Trump do not apply. In local news, investigators say a customer who fatally shot a man suspected of stealing diapers from an Orlando Walmart also injured a second person. Orange County Sheriff's Captain Angelo Nieves says the suspects left the store with stolen items over the weekend and were loading the merchandise into their vehicle when one suspect was shot. Later, authorities discovered that a female juvenile was also injured. In October 2015, the Alfaro cargo ship sank when it ran into Hurricane Joaquin on its way from Jacksonville to Puerto Rico. All 33 on board perished. In Jacksonville on Monday, the Marine Board of Investigation opened a final round of hearings on the tragedy. Investigator Keith Fawcett asked former Alfaro first mate Captain Raymond Thompson about a conversation the morning of the accident in which a female crew member told another crew member to make sure the ship is, quote, steering right. Were you aware of, of any steering issues involving the El Faro's steering system or autopilot that she might be referring to? Not, not that I was aware of, sir. Transcripts from El Faro's voyage data recorder indicate that the captain was unsure about the location of the hurricane. And finally, guys, if you're worried about having to shell out the big bucks for Valentine's Day, there's no reason to get too worried A new study that looks at affordable places to spend Valentine's Day ranks Orlando as the third best city in the country to celebrate with your honey. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Orlando ranks high for most jewelry stores, hint, 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 and florists per capita, hint, hint, hint. (laughs) WalletHub.com ranks San Francisco as the best place to celebrate Valentine's Day and perhaps surprisingly, Scottsdale, Arizona as number two. What's the deal with Scottsdale? I have no idea. I don't know. It's a big retirement area, isn't it, Scottsdale? I don't know. I so don't is know Florida. True? I, I don't yeah. know what makes it on Wallet Hub's list of the best places for Valentine's Day, unless it's the affordability factor. Well, that could be, too. Interesting stuff. Good yeah. deal. Good reminder for a lot of folks who said, <gasps> Valentine's Day? It's next week. when? It's one week from today. One week from today. Oh. There you go. You've just provided an enormous public service so I hope. for a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> WFLA News Time. It's 8.06. Watch a really, really cool military-themed Super Bowl ad that didn't run until the game was over.
online now at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thanks, Deb. Deborah Roberts with the news top and the bottom of the hour. Whenever it breaks, along with the Bud Man here and Yaffe at the controls as our executive producer, Anthony, is screening this morning. We're going to be talking about um, the slippage on the timeline for Obamacare and maybe the tax cut as well and whether or not you consider these to be broken promises or whether um, you're okay with this and what's going on behind the scenes as well. The number is 407-916-5400 if you want to talk it over, and if you want to text us with your take on it all, uh, that's 23680. We come to you on Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. You're going to hear Donald Trump on the campaign trail on repealing and replacing Obamacare, what he said just one week before the election, and then contrasted with what he said on the same topic to Bill O'Reilly during his Super Bowl interview. There's no question the timeline, at least for the president, and he's not alone in this, is slipping on what was promised with Obamacare. And we'll talk about it in a moment. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in just two minutes. So stick around, if you will, here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So, I mean, Trump has now been president for what, 18 days? Something like that. He's been coming at us with breakneck speed on key issues, honoring promises during the campaign that, that galvanized support for him and ultimately got him elected president of the United States. Going to get about the business of building that wall. Issued the executive order, now tied up in the courts, to control immigration and who gets into this country in the age of radical Islamic terrorism and so many other things as well. But not so much urgency is evident when it comes to repealing and replacing Obamacare. Not much anymore on the part, not only of the president, but key members of Congress who will have to drive this and make it happen from the Republican side. Let's listen to Donald Trump twice. First of all, you're going to hear him on the campaign trail on Obamacare. And this is not way back when he just got in and may not have been up to speed on all the issues in 2015. This is November 1st, 2016. One week before the election. When we win on November 8th and elect a Republican Congress, we will be able to immediately repeal and replace Obamacare. Have to do it. Immediately repeal and replace. The issue came up with Bill O'Reilly's Super Bowl interview with the president this from Sunday. Yeah, in the process, and maybe it'll take till sometime into next year, but we are certainly going to be in the process. Very complicated. Obamacare is a disaster. You have to remember, Obamacare doesn't work. So we are putting in a wonderful plan. It's statutorily takes a while to get. Wow. So this whole thing in process may not get it done till next year. And also, Yaffe, slipping into the conversation is a term we never heard on the campaign trail from anybody, and that is repair of Obamacare. Not so much 
repeal, and replace. Um, you know, now what do we have here in terms of, and, and you know, key members of Congress who are going to have to drive this thing from the Republican slide, I don't sense the urgency on the Obamacare thing. I, I, I think they are worried they're going to wind up in a situation where they cannot do what Rand Paul is calling for, and he says he's got a plan to do it, and we've talked about it, where you simultaneously repeal Obamacare and replace it so there's no gap that they're not going to be able to do that, that millions of Americans are going to wind up um, with a gap in health insurance coverage and the political fallout from that will be a killer in terms of them maintaining their seats in Congress. And that's what I think may be going on there. As far as what's going on with the president, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Do we look at this as a broken promise? Or do we look at it as a can-do corporate guy who could just order things to be done coming face-to-face with the reality of governing, you know, in a in a system with three co-equal branches of government? You know, but often when you do a, a segment on this show, you talk about how you smell a rat. I smell a rat here. I'm not exactly sure what the rat is, where it's located, or where it's coming from. But I smell a rat because something is not right here. For one, repeal and replace is very easy. Just like you said, Rand Paul has a plan. Just take his plan and do it. There are reasons why, and they're not saying it, there are reasons why they're delaying this. And when in terms of President Trump, I don't think this was ever a top priority of his health care. I think trade was a top priority, other things. I think it became a priority at the end of the campaign because it became an issue. I can't tell you how many times he said, Obamacare is a disaster. You may heard it countless times. Well, he said it near the end of the campaign, but I really didn't think it was a top priority. I mean, remember when he was running in the primary, he talked about how the Canadian healthcare system worked at one time and could have worked in the future. So there's, I've always been a little worried about his take on healthcare. But I, I smell a, I smell a rat here. I think there are a lot of Republicans who say they're conservative, but then when they get in office, are not willing to actually have the guts to do conservative things. Oh, you're smelling a rhino. I'm smelling rhinos. You're smelling I'm smelling rhinos. Maybe rat- money from different groups. I don't know. Hmm. It's there. Let me smell. I don't know. What do we have? Are we smelling rhinos along with rats? That's <laughs> I think a nasty so. brew, isn't it? We'll get uh, Anthony to weigh in on this a moment because I know he's got lots to say. And how about you as well? What's going on here? And what about if it all slips into next year? Do you think ultimately it will get done? Repealing and replacing Obamacare? Or are they just hoping that maybe we'll forget about it and all of those concerns will go away? And what about this let's repair, let's fix what the president has always said was so hopelessly broken that it could not be repaired. Now we're hearing repair along with an overshadowing repeal and replace. I want to know your reaction to this. Do you feel like you're being had? Do you smell a rat? Or do you just realize that it is a monumental task and everyone is confronting a reality that it will take longer? You smelling anything? Rats, rhinos, or both? Or, or nothing? Let's talk about it. They got the smartest audience in talk radio. You know, we're not the repository of all wisdom. We'd like to know what you think. Let's weigh in on this. It was a huge campaign issue. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. 
pretty clear that the timeline on repealing and replacing Obamacare is slipping and pretty clear also that the concept of repeal and replace in other floating something else we hadn't heard before, repairing. Uh, it worries me, bud. does. It worries me. Yeah. But, you know, I don't necessarily think that we need to blame the president here. I think he is now getting the word from Congress upon who he will depend um, uh, to to repeal and replace here. And they're telling him over there, and this may be where the big rhino rat located, uh, Yaffe, uh, that I'm sorry. If you think this is happening lickety-split like, you know, the other things you're doing, Mr. President, ain't no way. Yeah, we're getting a bunch of people on the text line, you know, saying, give Trump a chance, give Trump a chance. No, we're not, we're not trying to. We're not trying it's, to put the hammer down on the president here, but you can see how distinctly different those two comments are from just before the election until now. Right. I think a lot of it is at the fault with the Republican Congress. And what really worries me is the worst part about Obamacare are not the exchanges, believe it or not. It's all the mandates, the regulations, the new taxes. But they're focused on reforming the exchanges when they need to focus on getting rid of all those regulations. That's the worst part. And I'm afraid they're doing the opposite. It worries I'm yeah, worried, but interesting. I know what I can tell that Yaffe. <laughs> He's ha- much hand wringing in the control room here. Here is John and Maitland. Good morning, John. Good morning, Bud. Thank you very much for taking my call. Sure. You know this whole thing is a huge lie. I mean, it started out with the keep your doctor thing, but even before that, the original goal was to get the 31 million, the 10 percent of Americans that didn't have insurance. Insurance. There's only 11 million people now that are signed up on the Obamacare rolls. Why do we keep it alive for those 11 million people? It's not even. Three percent of the population just scrap the thing. The rhinos have to go. All right, there you go, John. I appreciate it. You're smelling that rhino rat. Linda's got another perspective on Obamacare. Good morning from Lake Wales in beautiful Polk County. Linda, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine this morning. How about you? Outstanding. Good to have you aboard. Thanks for taking my call. I have a couple of opinions on this, Bud. First of all, Congress is the problem. So everybody should get on the phone to their congressman and bombard them with phone calls and say, come on, you've done nothing eight years, let's get this done. Yeah. We'll probably do as much as anything because President Trump can't do it without them. The second thing being, I don't know why they just don't cancel it. Stop some of these mandates and laws that they put out there and let people get their own health care. It used to work. I'm 72 years old. It used to work fine for us to go get our own health care. Government should have never got into health care. Originally, years ago, they were there to protect us from foreign enemies. Got it. Good stuff. Appreciate it, Linda. Anthony, um, you know, I know you're all over this um, this issue with Obamacare. And, and your guy, Rand Paul, I mean, he has got a plan to simultaneously um, repeal and replace, you know? I mean, I think he's got something there. I don't understand why we can't move on it. Well, uh, it's it's probably the most conservative health plan we've ever had. Um, and uh, what's being implied right now is that Donald Trump initially agreed to it, um, but he's not on board with it anymore, and that's where it's held up. And um, and that that's a problem. I, I think it's a promise that the president needs to keep. And the and what I what I just don't understand is we have the perfect opportunity to do it right now to repeal and replace. Um, no gap, no uncovered, no, no uh, lost coverage. Um, and nobody's acting on it. And, and it's so, like so, Yaffe said. So Yaffe, Yaffe and I are smelling a herd of rhinos in Congress. You're smelling a rat in the White House. I'm smelling I'm smelling a hybrid rat rhino. Ooh. That's what I'm smelling. A crossbreed. Oh, man. Crossbreeds out there. Oh, geez. <laughs> it is a funky smell. Whatever it is, it ain't good. <laughs> uh, we're following it. We're watching it. You can count on us here. And great 
talking with you and getting your text line input here, as always, on the 50,000-watt front porch. Believe me, far more coming on this. Good job. Sound judgment game for prizes next half hour. Um, So let's clear the lines right now. And game players, if you want to get in early and be patient, you'll have a chance to win. 407-916-5400. Anthony, pull the plug on all the Obamacare calls. Can't get to everybody. Time will not permit. We'll be talking more about it. We're just going to play the sound judgment game. And if you want to play, call 407-916-5400. She's back. Deborah Roberts updating the news for us here at 8.30. And um, big day potentially in Trump versus the courts. That's because, uh, of course, a lot of experts think the case may end up at the Supreme Court. But a federal appeals court in San Francisco hears arguments today in the battle over President Trump's travel and refugee ban. The federal government maintains the president has the authority to issue such directives while states Suing Trump say his executive order is unconstitutional. A federal judge has temporarily blocked the ban. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. An unemployed Lakeland man, Bud, has entered a guilty plea on charges he made $7 billion in fraudulent wire transfers because Jesus wanted him to be wealthy. (laughs) Jesus green-lighted it all. He sure did. (laughs) Wants me to be wealthy, too. (laughs) John Askew is accused of setting up the wire transfers from a large, nationally renowned financial institution. The bank involved was only identified as Bank A in the criminal complaint. Askew told agents he was self-taught on the banking industry and figured out how to make the fraudulent wire transfers through experimentation. When asked why he continued to make the wire transfers, Haskew told investigators that he believed he deserved the money. (laughs) Criminal complaint says Haskew (laughs) stated that Jesus Christ created wealth for everyone. So, using this scheme, Haskew believed that he could obtain the wealth that Jesus had created for him and that belonged to him. Uh, The gift to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. He was arrested December 16th. The Jesus made me do it defense. Not holding a lot of water. I don't think you really know Jesus. (laughs) Exactly. If you're going down that road. Exactly. But (laughs) you know what? If anything, Jesus might give you credit for trying. I suppose I have no idea. I don't it's bizarre. either. Where do you get this stuff? And where oh, was wait. that out of down in this where? This was Lakeland. Lakeland. Lakeland, what? Florida. Yeah, what is going on down there? There's always stuff coming out of Polk uh, County. Always, always. Love Polk <laughs> County. Love Grady Judd. But get this, bud. Further north, police in Ohio say a pacemaker tripped up its owner in a criminal investigation. Can you imagine being dimed out by your pacemaker? Wow. It sounds like a CSI Miami it, or something. It does. Middletown police say Ross Compton is accused of starting a September 19th fire at his home, and data recorded by his pacemaker helped lead to his indictment on oh. charges of aggravated arson and insurance fraud. Because it's like, it's like a, a GPS sort of thing where it can actually locate where you are, right? I don't know. Or like, like you know, where they can tell where you are with a cell phone usage. You I know? was wondering if it was that or if it was by physical exertion, by times. I don't know. Interesting. I didn't know that a pacemaker collected the data. I'll be doggone. But a cardiologist concluded that his medical condition made his version of events unlikely. 
tripped up by your very own pacemaker. I'll be darned. Boy, what a story that is. And finally, back in the Sunshine State, Florida authorities say they've seized a huge shipment of heroin with some rather familiar faces stamped on the packages. Really? Yeah. There was the notorious drug lord El Chapo, (laughs) cocaine baron Pablo Escobar, and the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Stamped on the cocaine. uh, Heroin. On the heroin. Stamped on the heroin packages. Yeah, there were about 5,500 packets captured last month. Police laid out the haul for the media on Friday. Uh, State Attorney General Pam Bondi says uh, putting Trump's picture on the drugs was a big mistake, though, because he's going to be the biggest advocate in getting heroin and other drugs off the street. He absolutely is, and it's, it's really become more and more a focus of why he says we need the wall, and it's to stop the drugs. You know, you're hearing that more than stop the terrorists right now. You're absolutely right. And he's he's talked about the heroin epidemic we have in states all around this country as far north as New Hampshire. Yeah. People are dying in huge numbers here. And uh, very interesting, Deb. Very interesting. Good stuff. Are so we done? There you go. We're done. That's wow. all I've got. How about it, Yaffe? Oh, he's still too busy playing with his stress ball. What is that? You're the most mellow, relaxed guy in the world. There is no guy in the world who needs a stress ball less than I you. I have stress. I think I mean, that might I'm looking, be you and I. I'm looking in. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at his stress, bud. What? At, at me and at you? Yeah. Well, I, that was I the subtle I, way of saying it. Why, but... why do you think the stress ball is only here? I don't have it at home. Just here. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't thrown it at the glass at us yet. Go ahead. Just try it. See what it's like. Hey, coming up, we're going to make somebody real happy. We got a whole lineup of folks ready to play the sound judgment game. We'll tell you about the prizes and it is, um, well, I don't know, sort of a Super Bowl-related theme on sound judgment. Let's see how you handle this question coming up here in a moment. It's the Bud Man, the Deb Meister, Yaffe, and Anthony with you this morning here in Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. And, yes, we're on WFLA News Radio 102.5 FM, still on AM 540 and nationwide on iHeartRadio. The Sound Judgment Game prizes on the line coming right up. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic updated in just two minutes as well here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Once a day, we um, put some great prizes on the line for somebody in our fabulous audience to win on our Sound Judgment Game, and we are ready to play. We've got all our contestants to go and. Uh, Talk about that Beatles prize pack we're giving away that is just red hot. This is great stuff, Anthony. Yeah, bud. Beatles fans are going to love this. We have a copy of the Beatles Love soundtrack and the Beatles Love promo pack. You can celebrate this Valentine's Day with the Beatles Love by Cirque du Soleil at the Mirage Hotel and Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. With 360-degree seating, the Beatles Love tells a unique story from every angle, while a three-time Grammy-winning soundtrack sets the backdrop for thrilling and acrobats. We can, uh, you can get a colorful new imagery and reimagined choreography, but this is the cool part. You can even get your tickets now at shukdusoleil.com slash love if you want to make the journey and go see it live. All right, a special Beatles prize pack. I'm telling you, this is fantastic. Are we ready to go? By the way, if somebody gets a wrong answer, you can jump in on the open line at 407-916-5400. Now, I'm going to put you to the test here. Listen to some sound from one of this week's big newsmakers. Then use your sound judgment to tell me who is talking and what he is talking about. 
Yeah, I put it in my bag and then I came out and it wasn't there anymore. So it's unfortunate because that's a nice piece of memorabilia. So if it shows up on eBay somewhere, someone let me know. Try to track that down. Who's talking? What's he talking about? Let's go to line two. Bud, that's Brady and he's talking about his jersey. What about the jersey? It was stolen. I think we have a winner. Right off the the stolen right out of the locker room, and I haven't found it yet. Some people think it might be worth five hundred thousand dollars if it ever gets up for auction. How about that? I thought we were going to spend a little bit of time before we found a winner. And what's your name? This is Ben from Claremont. Oh, one of our faithful listeners. You a big Beatles fan? I'm a Beatle maniac. Really? What does that involve? Well, when I saw him on the Ed Sullivan show. I'm a musician now because of that. Really? And I actually own a handmade German Hoffner Beetle bass. No kidding. Absolutely. Wow, that's fantastic. How about you, Ben? This is the perfect prize for you then. I couldn't believe it when I heard it yesterday. <laughs> How about that? Well, you're our winner, and congratulations to you, my friend. Enjoy your Beatles prize pack. And don't go away. I'll put you on hold. You and Anthony can have a conversation to make the connection on the prizes, okay? Aha, there we go. The right guy has won that prize. You know, Yaffe, I thought it would take a while because it was kind of disembodied sound. You know, I didn't give any clue what it was about. But you know what? We have the most connected audience in talk radio, and I, I, I should have expected it would go quickly because people, they, they know what's going on. This is what I love, this audience. That, but I mean, the real reason you did it is because you wanted to hear Brady's voice once during the show. Oh, yes, I did. Yes. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the greatest we all know that's why. of all time <laughs> will uh, be featured in the big parade for the Patriots mm-hmm. in Boston, which is coming up today. Give you details on that. Um, and uh, Brady could have been here yesterday uh, at Disney in the wake of the Super Bowl victory. But another one of the big Patriot stars that Brady said actually should have been the Super Bowl MVP was here. We'll be talking about that as well. And, oh, the Atlanta Falcons are not forgotten here. We're going to be fair and balanced. Yaffe's connected with some great stuff on the Atlanta Falcons who lost that game they had in the bag on Sunday. And all of that is ahead. So stay tuned here as we wrap things up on a high note on the 50,000-watt front porch. So, Anthony, you've been doing a little research into the missing Tom Brady jersey purloined by somebody from the uh, Patriots locker room uh, in Houston after the game. And you heard from Brady in the sound judgment game about this. He has no idea where it is, but he'd like to have it back. What do you have on this? All right, so the Texas Major Crimes Division yesterday just announced a formal investigation. Um, There was some speculation on the thieves. Uh, Somebody bragged on Instagram about stealing it, which was uh, found to be a hoax by Ian Rappaport. Yeah. Um, So right now, all we have is the Texas Lieutenant Governor is offering his support to Tom Brady in any way he can, and the Major Crimes Division uh, of, uh, I think, Texas State Law Enforcement. The Texas um, Rangers are on it. They are. I'm not kidding. The Texas Rangers, not the ball club, the law enforcement officers of legend are on it. Now, here's the deal. I have to believe those locker rooms will be very secure for the Super Bowl. There's a small number of people who have qualified access to a locker room. I think you're going to find it in a small, you know, circle of equipment managers or whatever. 
uh, and they're they're going to get to this thing right away. I think. Jeez, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're going to get Tommy Lee Jones from the U.S. Marshals in the movie Fugitive. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get him after this eventually or something. Chuck Norris. I mean. Yeah, got to get Chuck <laughs> Norris on it. Yeah, yeah, that'll yeah. be the end of it. <laughs> I think it was Terry Bradshaw. That's that. That is my Terry opinion. Bradshaw stole the Brady jersey. <laughs> he was jealous. By the way, Big Patriots Parade in downtown Boston today kicks off at 11 o'clock this morning. The mayor says congratulations to the greatest team, the greatest coach, the greatest quarterback of all time for winning their fifth Super Bowl. Says the Patriots have made Boston and New England proud. I think they really have become America's team. They're certainly my team. was great to have... Um, James White, the running back who scored three touchdowns here, leading the uh, big parade in the Magic Kingdom yesterday in Orlando. They didn't do the commercial, though. I yeah, want to see the commercial. The says, they've stopped doing the I'm going to Disney World commercials, but they still bring them down to Disney World. That's a nice thing. Now, earlier you told me that social media was awash in Atlanta Falcons oh, jokes about their, so much you know, about them folding their tent in the second half and losing an <laughs> overtime. What did you What did you pick up on that, uh, Mike? Oh well, I mean, we got to, we got some good jokes out there. You, you want you you want to hear them, bud? I I'm, do. I'm, I I'm love sure. Them. I'm sure. Uh, one person said uh, I um, was going to get my son a Falcons jersey. But then I found out it's a choking hazard. Oh, nasty. Woo, that's brutal. That's funny. <laughs> Keep in mind, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm going to think every one of these is funny. Falcons fans, my apologies. I cannot help myself. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Let, let's see. I'm trying I'm trying to remember the other ones here. Um, it was, uh, oh, how many Falcons does it take to win the Super Bowl? We will never know. <laughs> That is tough. I wonder how they're going to handle um, losing that game. What an absolute gut-wrencher it is. I mean, they had it. They were up 28-3. to The owner, the old Home Depot guy, he was right on the sidelines with his wife, ready to jump up and down, and then all of a sudden the whole thing was just snatched away from him in the greatest comeback I have ever seen. That was it. the reaction from the players and the owners and stuff was something – something to watch it was kind of sad and funny at the same time it was really really amazing truly one for the ages hey i hope you've enjoyed the show there just may be a few of you who are unable to be with us from the get-go at six o'clock listening to all three hours you have to always post the podcast on the website just go to 1025wfla.com and highlights of what we talked about on the show videos and all of that um any thoughts on what they may find there we got some good trump stuff i know oh yeah well i posted the video of trump's uh centcom speech so you can check that out there we we talked about that story we talked about the story about trump derangement syndrome how that could actually help trump yeah so i posted that story from the national review plus the you got to check out the podcast and when the podcast is also on your iHeartRadio app so download the app and you can check out the podcast every show because you should really listen to all three hours at least at some point yeah, because you never know when there might be a quiz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got to be on a stick here. Great having you with us here. Good morning, Orlando, from the Front Gate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. And, of course, we're on WFLA nationwide at iHeartRadio on FM 1025 and still on AM 540. For Yaffe, Deb, Anthony, and the whole team, the Bud Man here, have a great day. Catch you tomorrow morning, I hope. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.